Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this episode, we're going to discuss siblings, which if you've been listening to our recap type episodes, we talked a lot about how it was a huge motif in season four. But it is also quite a big deal in terms of the heart of the show, Supergirl. In case this has escaped your attention at any point (laughs) in the past four seasons. Yes. Kara and Alex are the core of the show and have been the foundation for the Supergirl adventures in season one. And the concept of siblings was also a big motif in that season initially, starting with obviously Astra and Alora, And there were lots of parallels that they specifically drew between the Danvers sisters and Astra and Alora. For instance, the concept of whether or not you have faith in people was something that Astra and Alora had arguments over. But it's interesting that that is one of the ways that they played upon this concept of siblings in Supergirl, because that ties very neatly into what makes Kara different than Superman and what makes the show Supergirl different than the other super stories, specifically how Kara remembers Krypton. And she does have that basis with Astra and Alora to draw on, but she also remembers the culture. Mm. Whereas Kale was a baby when he left Krypton, Kara was 13 and spent many of her formative years in that culture and with that family, the Zorels. And then also the other difference between the Supergirl story and the Superman story as a concept is that in this, Kara has a sister, obviously, Alex. <laughs> Who is Alex? Alexandra Danvers. <laughs> Alexandra Danvers. Danvers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jinx. Yes, Jinx. Anyway, Alex is an original character, as in she's like not from any comic story or any previous super story. Mm, yeah, they created her just for the show. Yes. And it's interesting because these two ideas, like Kara having a sister and someone to rely on in that way, and someone she looks up to as like her hero, something that they dived into in season one. And then the fact that Kara remembers Krypton kind of neatly fuses into the concept of Elmira stronger together. She talks to James in season one, episode two, and says, you say people will see me the way that they see Superman one day, but I don't want to be a hero like him. My cousin, he's so used to going it alone, he doesn't know any other way, but I do. And she specifically talks about her connections to her loved ones, and then also the fact that she remembers Krypton and that no one was their own man, and that she was taught to accept help from people and that it's not a shame, but an honor. So we get sort of hints that Krypton was more of a collectivistic culture than the United States, which is more of an individualistic culture. And it's interesting because if you look at collectivistic cultures on Earth, you can see that in many cases, interdependence between siblings is encouraged. And just as sort of a interesting tidbit, research has rated siblings in collectivistic cultures with higher degrees of warmth and lower degrees of conflict. The reasoning is that presumably they value harmony with the group more. And then when I was doing research on this, another fun thing I came across was this relevant Kyrgyz proverb, which is with people, you can be a human being, which is definitely relevant to Kara as a person. Right. It's kind of similar to her stronger together concept, but specifically the idea of being a human being, something that she struggled with in season three and how Alex is definitely part of what keeps her like quote unquote human and connected to the human race on earth. And then obviously that takes us to, you know, this past season. Mm. When they really played upon siblings as a motif with multiple pairings of siblings over and over again. (laughs) Yeah, well, we kind of knew going into season.
reason for to expect some kind of big sibling things potentially with Kara and Alex because we knew about the Red Daughter storyline and then anyone who looked up the original Red Sun comic knew that that meant we'd probably also be getting some more Luther dynamics. Mm -hmm. And so the show tipped us off to the fact that that was going to be a big source of character development and tension in the whole season, not just by presenting very early on Kara and Alex as kind of this opposite force to Lex with Lena, but by also sprinkling in multiple other pairs of siblings and having them interact with our core characters in different ways. Like the most obvious one, of course, is Nia with Maeve, her sister. And we're introduced to the idea that Nia has a sister that she's very close to early on in the season. But once we see them interact with each other through Kara's eyes, kind of, you see that Kara's relating to that a lot because for as much as Nia is obviously very close to her sister, there's also some tension and a little bit of sibling rivalry going on there. And then when it comes out that Nia is the one who's inherited the powers from her mother's side of the family, there's a breaking point there, which again, Kara is like, hey, (laughs) this sounds like a problem I'm familiar with. (laughs) Exactly. And that leads to the improvement of the bond between Kara and Nia and also Nia going on something of a similar journey to Kara's in season one of really acknowledging her powers and embracing things about herself as a hero mm-hmm. which is cute yes and speaking of this thing where Kara's like hey I relate to this problem of like being the sibling with powers we had a lot actually as the season went on mm-hmm. pairs of siblings where one sibling ended up having powers because both James and Lex end up with superpowers yeah. by the end of season four while their sisters don't which is kind of fun and then kind of related in the sense of like are you being a hero are you not and this morality that comes into play with all these different sibling dynamics during the season. We also got a little more depth on one of Kara's co-workers who is an alien. His name was Franklin. He was adorable and awkward. Uh And he helped Kara and Nia get out a broadcast to counteract the Children of Liberty, which was very brave of him. And then you find out he has a sister who he's very protective of, but who also volunteers to help and do what's right to help Kara save the day, essentially, mm-hmm. with journalism. Yes. Good eggs, those two. <laughs> they are, in direct contrast to uh, one of the other pairs of siblings that they snuck in without you maybe noticing necessarily, which was Adam, Lena's volunteer test subject, who speaks at length about how he thinks he's not a good person and how his brother died donating a kidney to him. And if it had been the reverse, he wouldn't have done the same. And that one's just interesting because that happens very early on in season four. But we also know that Lena specifically chose Adam as her test subject because she related to him on some Mm. level. And the more that she learns about him, the more that's reinforced. And so it's interesting in terms of then the framing of Lena as wanting to be a force for good, but having doubts maybe about how that's going to (laughs) go. Yes. And it also brings to mind sibling dynamics in terms of what you'll do for your sibling versus what you'll do to your sibling. 
<laughs> yeah, which then reminds me of the other pair of siblings that we see set up kind of as a connection to Lena again, mm-hmm. which were Mercy and Otis Graves, who we picked up on in the season premiere as being kind of a setup for the sibling motif. But then when I was looking at the early episodes again, I was like, oh, they set up the Kara and Alex conflict and the Lex and Lena conflict <laughs> through Mercy and Otis in like the first two episodes. <laughs> yes. And none of us realized it at the time. Mm-hmm. Even in the season premiere, you have that scene at the end where Mercy and Otis are motorcycling through the woods. Hey, that was a thing we saw again later in the season. <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> and Kara was there too. And you have this moment where Mercy turns and seemingly shoots Otis to get away and Kara goes to help him and he laughs at her when she gets to him and says, do you really think my sister would kill me? Which, uh... Given how the season finale plays out, Mm -hmm. where Lena does in fact shoot and kill her brother, and then after we learn in the second episode that she looked up to Mercy as a child, (laughs) is very interesting in several ways. (laughs) And it's also an interesting commentary from Otis there on how the Graves are both as criminals, because Kara very clearly assumes that they're like the worst of the worst, and of course Mercy would maybe shoot her brother. Uh (laughs) Like, that makes sense sense but otis is like hey we're family and you see in the next episode when he's in deo custody he refuses to give mercy up while he's being interrogated to the point that alex is getting really annoyed about it mm-hmm. which is also funny miss Mindwipe, <laughs> because she's like how dare he not rat out his sister he's protecting mm-hmm. her and like it's annoying her because she would do the same exact thing yeah and has repeatedly. So it's really interesting because Mercy and Otis are set up as being kind of in the characters attached to Lena and Lex camp Mm -hmm. because Mercy has a past with Lena and they interact in the second episode of the season and Otis continues to work with Lex throughout the rest of the season. But they also kind of mirror that same kind of closeness and protectiveness that you see with Kara and Alex even though ethically they are nothing alike. (laughs) And then that serves as an interesting contrast to the other two kind of major pairs of siblings that we see get more relationship development in the later half of the season. Yeah. In season four, we have Kelly appear for the first time and we also have Lex appear for the first time. In the same episode, too, I think. Oh, true. Yes. Oh, brother, we're out thou. (laughs) Convenient naming as well. And these sets of siblings are interesting also in connection to Elmayara. With James, it's interesting because Kara originally gave that speech to James because James was talking about how he thought that he could escape being valued for his connection to the supers when he moved to National City and be his own man. And then Kara kind of talked about her more collectivistic culture. And in season four, James's arc is actually about accepting help and, you know, being stronger together and Kelly's help in particular. And it was interesting because we had been wondering whether or not James was the older brother or the younger brother, Mm. because their dynamic might suggest that Kelly is the more like stable, responsible type figure in the family structure. And then it turns out that James is the older brother, which makes it kind of more interesting in terms of what you might expect for his role and his own expectations 
for himself and how he isn't there for his sister or mother after his dad dies, like at his dad's funeral because he was cornered by bullies and dropped in a coffin. But And then there are the sort of expectations that may have pressured him in terms of him being the man of the house now that his father isn't there. So that's something kind of interesting to think about mm. and the role of masculinity and whether or not you should accept help and like being the person who has to have everything together all the time. Well, and also the fact that his dad was in the military and that's also seen with being kind of this very stereotypically masculine personality. Yes, it is. And he says to his father at his funeral, I promise I will spend my life making you proud. So that's definitely something that influences James's entire arc and who he wants to be as a person. And then we see those bullies say to James, dead daddy can't save you. You think your baby sister can? And taunt him about wanting his sister's help. But also how terrible is it that there's 13-year-old boys who are mocking someone being sad about their dead parent. Yeah. Like, that's just horrible. Uh-huh. Which, like, has to definitely warp your view about what you are expected to do emotionally and, like, being allowed to be upset. Don't have emotions. <laughs> Seems like a great coping strategy. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but then we see in season four, obviously, James struggles with the idea of getting help because he starts experiencing symptoms of PTSD. And Kelly encourages him to go to therapy, and he resists it at first. But then it's interesting because she's says to him when he eventually does decide to go to therapy, I have seen soldiers paralyzed over what you're about to do. I am so proud of you and dad would be too. So the idea that kind of like Kara was saying that accepting help is not shameful, but mm. something that's brave and honorable. And then contrastingly, we have <laughs> Lena and Lex. Speaking of other people who don't like to talk about emotions. <laughs> yeah. Lena and Lex were definitely in an environment that discouraged the concept of being stronger together, like in family structures with narcissistic parents. Which we have talked about before in looking at Lillian and how she relates to her kids. Yes. The parents tend to try to pit siblings against each other. For instance, like we've talked about before, the golden child role, which is like what it sounds like. The child who can do no wrong. Yes. And then the scapegoat, the child who is blamed for everything and the black sheep of the family. So those two roles are kind of naturally difficult to step out of in order to get closer as siblings because you are the preferred child, quite obviously, versus the child that everyone is saying should be avoided. And the narcissistic parent will try to pit the siblings against each other because it benefits them. Although with Lex and Lena, Lena mistakenly thought that she and Lex were sort of emotionally close. Yeah, when she was little. Yes. And well, the way that she talked about Lex after he was arrested, mm. it's kind of the way Wynn talked about his father in that it was sort of normal and then one day it wasn't anymore, only to then sort of find out later on that they had sort of antisocial qualities all along. Like, oh, yeah, you did do all those things. <laughs> yeah. Like when Lena read Lex's diaries, for instance, that's a clear mm. sign that he was trying to emotionally manipulate her and it wasn't a genuine connection. And you can see before she reads that, that she was more open to Lex's manipulations and more likely to believe him, perhaps. Well, yeah, because that's how he convinced her to help him mm -hmm. when he was, you know, physically ill. <laughs> 
Yes. But then it's also interesting because as this was happening where Lena was thinking when they were kids that they were emotionally close, Lex was also feeding into Lena's role as a scapegoat. Like, as you can see, when he has her steal his father's pen for him to use or have. I don't even know it's that he wanted it. I think he just wanted to see if Lena would do it. Mm, yes. And then in terms of Stronger Together, we have just the concept of like friends. <laughs> Are friends cool? Not to the Luthers. Oh. <laughs> no, because Lillian brings up about the fact that she was so proud of Lena for getting revenge on some girl when she was in middle school yeah. instead of, you know, talking about things positively and having friends. <laughs> yeah, Lex and Lillian both sort of sneer at Lena regarding having friends. Well, because her friends include Kara. We can't have that. <laughs> yes. Well, they also, you know, there's the agenda of wanting to have sole influence mm-hmm. over Lena. Yes. And not liking the ideas that maybe Supergirl as a person or James as a person may imbue in Lena as sort of the enemies of the Luthers. And so a couple times that we see this with Lillian are when Lillian even tries to manipulate Kara in season two regarding Kara's secret identity and says that Lena will eventually find out and that she'll hate Kara for it and kind of trying to drive that wedge in a little bit. And then directly to Lena when she taunts her that her besties would hate her when they found out what she's been up to regarding Lena working with Lex, which is something that Lena also feared because that's why she broke up with James preemptively. And then with Lex, he has James shot. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently it wasn't the first time either. Yeah. And he talks about James like, why do you even care about him? I thought you two broke up. Good riddance. Which is funny because he later plays upon her connection to him. And obviously the big blow at the end of season four was when Lex revealed to Lena that Kara is Supergirl in order to hurt her and to say that like her friends were all lying to her altogether. And he says, but when I'm gone, who will be left to be proud of you? What, your friends? And then gives a whole speech about how Lena is alone. So definitely the opposite message of stronger together. Only a little. (laughs) Stronger alone in your bunker with your creepy (laughs) painting of your mother watching over you. <laughs> yes, that sounds right. And then very related to the idea of Elmayara and Stronger Together is the huge motif within Supergirl of adoption and found families in general, of course. But obviously we have Kara, who was adopted into the Danvers family. And then we have Lena, who was adopted. Ish. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I mean, she was adopted, but yeah. Uh, she definitely saw herself as adopted. It's just that <laughs> Lex and Lillian didn't tell her she wasn't. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the fact that they all knew. Uh, right. <laughs> oh my God. It's just like the super friends and how they all knew Kara's secret. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, uh, that's yes. terrible, but also great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Suddenly, Kara's insight that Lena will react like Kara's treating her the way her family treats her has mm. so much more significance. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about Lena's headspace and how she learned from her family and sibling interaction how to perceive others and how she equates things like a lie about who you are as a person with a lie about who someone else is as a person, which are kind of different types of lies. But going back, of course, to the idea of adoption. It's kind of interesting now that we've had so much more context on both the Danvers family and the Luther family with seeing Lex in person and how he interacts with Lillian and with Lena and seeing how he's reflected on his relationship to his dad as well. How many kind of intriguing similarities in some ways there are, particularly in the sibling dynamics, which we were supposed to kind of notice a little bit given the way that Lex was manipulating not only Lena, but also an alternate version of Kara, Mm -hmm. pretending to be 
baby Alex. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But in terms of just kind of broad similarities, Alex and Lex are actually both around the same age when they first acquire a sibling. And they are also, up to this point in their early teens, only children, which gives you a very different worldview than being someone who's always grown up with a sibling mm -hmm. because you learn things when you have siblings about yourself that, that you just didn't know. <laughs> that sounds uh, like war-torn, like battle-weary. <laughs> it's how you learn. But in particular, it affects their understanding of like where they fit in relation to their own parents. And going back to your comment about Lillian as a narcissistic parent who would maybe potentially cast her children into these roles of like the favored and the unfavored and kind of pit them against each other. Mm -hmm. She actually tries that strategy in season two when she approaches Alex at the DEO and tries to pit her against Kara in this fight against Cadmus. And she specifically tries to spin it as saying that Alex has been brainwashed into thinking that aliens are good and she's sacrificed too much of herself on their behalf, which is interesting because earlier in the episode, Alex actually does say that being Kara's sister has cost her a lot, mm -hmm. both emotionally and literally. And Lillian is here kind of saying like, think about what your life would be like if the aliens had never come into it and what it could be if they just left. And <laughs> <laughs> like that is some tricky manipulation and part of me does wonder if Lillian had tried that at a different point in Alex's life, if she would have been like a little more inclined to listen. But then again, Midvale exists and Alex looked at a person pointing a gun at her and was like, my sister will save me and just laughed. So, <laughs> um, But it definitely highlights this difference in the two families, which we have talked about before, of the Danvers family being very emotionally secure mm -hmm. in the fact that they may fight and disagree and sometimes even dislike each other. But at the end of the day, they're still a family, yeah. adopted or not. And the Luthers, not so much. <laughs> they're family in the sense that they have irrevocably influenced each other. They are family in the sense that legal documents say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely have the negative impact on each other that <laughs> is only possible with someone who is that close to you. That is true. And that scene of the three of them together at the White House very much emphasizes that. Mm -hmm. But to kind of go back to the places where Alex and Lex are somewhat similar and then where they diverge is we learned from Alex early on in season two that she was actually quite excited at first by the prospect of having a new sister, specifically an alien sister, because she was a science nerd. Um, <laughs> but that it was a big adjustment as one might expect because even though she was somewhat mature at 14, 15 years old, suddenly having another child who's around the same age as you mm. is difficult. But she mentions that she tried to get Kara to like the same kinds of things that she did. Like she'd bring her to her science fairs and try to get her to watch the same kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And eventually she gave up because she recognized that Kara is her own person and has different tastes and liked different things. <laughs> Yes. However. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting in comparing Lex and Alex in that sense, mm. because they both engaged in 
and that sort of like be like me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Alex eventually figured out and accepted that Car isn't gonna like all the same things that she does in terms of like pop culture type stuff. Like horror and punk are not gonna appeal to Car as a person. Whereas we see with Lex, like as a person trying to influence someone else with, you know, with the red daughter version of Kara, he gives her readings and that sort of pop culture thing and introduces her to things. And then when Red Daughter has her own interpretation of it, he tries to shut it down hard. <laughs> He's like, no, you need to interpret it the exact same way that I do, even though we are different people in many ways. Mm -hmm. And he definitely goes about that trying to create those similarities with Red Daughter, but also with Lena in much more manipulative and kind of malicious ways than Alex ever did. Mm -hmm. And the reason, well, some of the reason for this is that Lena and Kara were very different ages when they were added into the family. Like Kara was already 13. She was very close in age to Alex. And so already has a much stronger sense of herself and who she is and has a better sense of, I like this. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone now. <laughs> <laughs> so she had a little bit more ability to push back. Mm -hmm. And because of the family environment they were in, wasn't afraid to push back. Yeah. It's a very different dynamic. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's interesting when we find out that Lena actually was technically also foreign in the same way mm -hmm. as Kara. Like, Lena was born in another country and raised there as a little kid. Yeah. And being brought into this new family. But she was also very young, only like, I think, four years old ish. And so cognitively and emotionally, it just really wasn't in a place where she could really deal with all her own feelings about her mother dying without help. And also wasn't at an age where she could like see manipulation coming mm -hmm. and was also just desperately lonely and needed someone to display positive emotion towards her. So it's understandable that she kind of falls into this like trap a little bit with Lex. Mm -hmm. And Lex is already sort of developed sociopathic tendencies yeah <laughs> and is talented at hiding them mm -hmm. as most good sociopaths are <laughs> <laughs> yeah because of how old he is so it was quite the lion's den she wandered into <laughs> just a little the other interesting thing where alex and lex are very different is that alex has all these concerns about how her parents' opinion of her has changed because she's been given new and increased expectations about how she needs to behave. She's been given new responsibilities as far as helping Kara, keeping an eye on Kara. And then on top of that, she's getting a lot less of the positive feedback that she was accustomed to as an only child because all of a sudden now she can do things wrong <laughs> because there's more opportunities for social interaction where she makes a mistake stake. And there's also this other little person who follows her around and she can never get away. <laughs> um, <laughs> who needs a lot. Yeah. And who needs a lot, both emotionally and also just physically in terms of coaching on like, don't walk into someone so hard they fall over. Mm -hmm. Or you broke don't my cell break phone. break the table. Or, or a table. Ooh, or lamps. You broke my <laughs> cell phone. That seems like. <laughs> that would be a recipe for disaster. Mm. But also, like, Alex develops a lot of that insecurity in part because Kara is accepted by Eliza and Jeremiah and is embraced as a member of the family. And so that's very different than Lena, who... 
Lex is the only person that she ever talked about prior to the later part of season four as having like ever had a good relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And that much like Alex's car's biggest source of emotional support, that Lex was Lena's biggest source of support as a child. And he was really her ally in terms of shielding her a little bit from things with their parents or encouraging her to pursue maybe her interests, which were not stereotypically feminine because she was into lots of engineering and things. Although we later find out that he was really passive aggressive about it in a not very nice way. <laughs> or just aggressive aggressive about it. <laughs> and also outrightly aggressive. Yeah. So it's interesting to see Alex and Lex in that sense where because Kara was accepted into the family, there was more of an opportunity for Alex to take hits to her self-worth. Whereas with Lex, Lena was entirely rejected <laughs> by the family dynamic. And also, if you are a sociopath, you are also a narcissist. So he wasn't likely to take hits on his self-worth because of Lena and her arrival to the family. Well, and it also helps, too, that she's so much younger because she's not an immediate potential rival intellectually or mm -hmm. like emotionally for attention and things like that in the same kind of way. Yeah. Although it is interesting because when we see her arrive into the Luther family when she's four years old, she is shown to be quite talented at chess. Which we know Lex studied with one of the greatest masters in the world. So mm. obviously he's good at chess. Yes. But he definitely took the opportunity to sort of manipulate her to his advantage as opposed to see her as a threat. Because like you said, she was four. <laughs> <laughs> she was a baby. But it is interesting to look at these family dynamics in terms of self-worth and in relation to encouragement. So encouragement in relation to Adlerian psychology is basically when you recognize how much effort and improvement there was with a person and, and comment upon that as opposed to prioritizing like end results of something they did. Like for instance, oh, your grade has improved. You had a C before and now it's a B plus. That's amazing. As opposed to being like, this isn't an A, like I need you to get there. So just shifting your focus upon forward movement and improvement as opposed to accomplishing things. And with Lex and Lena, we saw pretty active discouragement on Lex's part and he criticized her. And when we see Lex in season four, he says to Lena, and if I would have given you an inch, if I would have thrown you a good job or cried out, that's wonderful every time you showed me one of your toys, do you think that you would have been as successful as you are? And according to Illyrian theory, yes, she would have. <laughs> and, you know, Lex is very focused on end results and shaping people into being tools for him. Whereas with encouragement, the goal is not simply to change behavior, but to instill courage and confidence to change, which is not something that Lex would really want in a person that he wants to manipulate, for instance, you know, a daughter. Yeah. And the other important thing there is that when you take that kind of warmer approach of encouragement, somebody is achieving success because that's what they want for themselves and not necessarily because they feel like they have to, mm -hmm. which is also a distinction in what makes it like emotionally healthy. Like you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And that means you can manage the stress of it a lot better than if you're doing it because there's all this external pressure on you to have to perform to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And it, it sort of results in positive view of the self, a sense of belonging and the courage to be imperfect. And then if you look at that in terms of Lena as a person, as a character, she does not, for instance, have 
have the courage to be imperfect. That's something that she very much fears. Like her core belief is that she is a bad person. So making a mistake is unacceptable to her. But if she had been encouraged by either a parent or a sibling or someone in her formative years, literally anyone, <laughs> yeah, she would now have better tools to deal with life's challenges. And then if we look at obviously the Danvers sisters, it was funny because I was looking at a list of like encouragement skills and it sounded like a character description for Kara. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Reflective listening, uh, communicating faith in others, expressing genuineness and pointing out others' strengths, positive reframing, and validating others' goals is something that we see with Kara a lot. And interestingly, in relation to Lena. Yes. Kara's just good at that in general. <laughs> yes. And in terms of like sibling dynamics, it's interesting to then look at Alex as a character and see her alternate version in the Elseworlds crossover when she didn't have a sister. Alex was less self-assured, like personality-wise, and she wasn't out as a lesbian, and apparently she had no social life. At all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which are things that would be positively impacted by an encouraging force, such as, you know, a sister named Kara. <laughs> such as Kara specifically. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, no, you're right. It does make sense because when Kara's talking about all of the things that our Alex that we know has fostered in her life that have made it better, particularly talking about like the network of people that she relies on as her found family, essentially. They're all people she met mostly because of Kara. Yeah, I was thinking about this. It is interesting in terms of siblings and, and how they influence each other. Because with Kara and Alex, when Kara first came to Earth, she sort of tagged along with Alex and her friends. And now it's flipped <laughs> where Kara is <laughs> yes. bringing new family members for Alex to become accustomed to. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like Kara's introducing them to a very shy pet. <laughs> Alex is like a cat who is slow to warm up to people a little. <laughs> she is, yes. But we definitely see with siblings that that interaction teaches social skills. As one might expect. <laughs> yes. Obviously, that makes sense because your siblings are actually the people who are with you on the longest part of your life journey, mm -hmm. given that they are the closest to you in age and part of your family. So you're around them a lot more than other people. Yeah. And apparently you're also likely to be around them more frequently than you are, say, a parent. Indeed. <laughs> Unless you're the sort of child who follows your parents to work every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no. Like, who does that? <laughs> That's the opposite of a helicopter parent. Uh. <laughs> a helicopter child. <laughs> But yeah, in terms of looking at sibling interaction, and as you said, how it's a vehicle for social learning, one of the things that was really interesting in some of the research that we both had looked at was a study that talked to both parents and siblings about perceptions of like closeness between siblings. Mm -hmm. And according to the parents, they didn't see any difference even when looking at things like gender of the siblings in their family. Mm -hmm. However, when the interviewers looked at the reports from children, they found that the older sibling in a sibling relationship did have a difference of opinion 
on the warmth and the closeness of the relationship. And they specifically found that older sisters with younger sisters tended to have the closest relationships, whereas older brothers with younger sisters had the lowest levels Mm -hmm. of warmth and connection as sibling pairs. And I think we saw that reflected a bit this season in how we had the Danvers sisters as a contrast to both the Luthers and then the Olsons, where you had an older brother, younger sister Mm. dynamic that was a bit strained. True. And you also saw it to some extent with Nia and her sister, where they had been very close until this one thing kind of split it apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that sort of level of like warmth and connection definitely influences how well you learn from a sibling. And so that comes into play when you talk about stuff like interpersonal emotional skills. There's sort of an interesting comparison to be made between Carr and Alex and then Lena and Lex in terms of conflict resolution. Like research shows that the ability to fight with your sibling and resolve those conflicts can be an important developmental achievement. And we see with Carr and Alex, obviously, a fair bit of conflict in like flashbacks in their adolescence, but it was positively resolved, which sort of teaches them how to resolve future conflicts with others. And that definitely comes into play with Gar as a character, because a huge part of Supergirl as a hero is her belief, like not just that people are good deep down, but that this goodness can be reached and that conflicts can be resolved compared to say like Red Daughter, who initially believed that Kara had positive qualities, but we later see that she never makes an attempt to change Kara's mind because she has no foundation to believe that that's a thing that can be done. Yeah. What is persuasive speaking? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it's a skill that you learn. <laughs> yes. And and speaking of that skill, we have Alex who doesn't have that same ideological view of like people as innately good deep down. She talks about that, you know, with Eliza in season one, who apparently also doesn't <laughs> have that viewpoint. Right. I'm like, I'd like to know more about that. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. But so Alex doesn't like make it a habit of trying to change people because she doesn't have that same belief. But we see that she definitely has the skills to do so when she so deems, like with Julia, obviously. And with Jensen. Yeah. When he's using Parasite in season four. Exactly. And it's also kind of interesting in terms of the fact that we know that Alex is pretty good at interrogation regularly. <laughs> it's its own form of persuasive speaking. And then when she forgets Kara, she feels off with it. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting to think about, both in terms of feeling self-assured and then also having the history in your head of resolving all those conflicts with your sibling. Well, yeah. And also she expresses to Jean that she feels like weirdly vulnerable in a way that she can't explain. Mm. And I'm like, well, it's because you don't have your get out of death free card. (laughs) Alex, who's fallen off a surprising number of cliffs as a child. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Right. It's like every season we have a coma and we have a cliff fall. (laughs) Yeah. Which then it makes total sense how in the end of season two where she's like, Cara, meet me outside and just flings herself off. (laughs) Speaking of flinging oneself, Alex and her paranoia about babies flinging themselves. No wonder. (laughs) See, she knew deep down. Exactly. But then you know, going to a pair of siblings who don't communicate well. <laughs> no. Lena does not have someone to magically catch her. <laughs> Literally or figuratively. <laughs> yes. And it's interesting to think about them in terms of conflict because we you know obviously there's tension between the two. Only a little. As adults. But it's kind of unlikely, I think, that they would have had sort of siblingy, petty bickering. For a few reasons. Yeah. Like, obviously, they have the age difference. Like, I would hope you wouldn't argue with a four-year-old. <laughs> 
about like sharing something, you know, kind of simple yeah. disagreements like that. Well, and related to that, the fact that they were so wealthy meant there was no reason that they would need to really mm-hmm. share a whole lot of things in the first place. Yeah. You know, we have Kara and Alex fighting over the bathroom or like their bedroom and stuff. Lena and Lex, I'm sure, had like multiple rooms each. Yes. All those studies show that like even if you're wealthy, you'll argue about whatever the resources are. So True. they could have presumably argued about, I don't know, <laughs> access to trust getting funds. a car or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And then that goes back to the age difference. It's like I would hope Lex is not arguing about cars with like a five-year-old. Yes. But then there's also the level of like how Lex and Lena's interactions weren't really genuine. Mm. Like on Lex's end, he was often putting on a front and hiding what he believed about Lena or thoughts he had about her unless he thought it suited his goals. So he'd be more likely to manipulate Lena than to argue with her about something. Yeah, it was kind of like a game of seeing if he could get her to do things that he wanted to yes. unless that like he had any emotional investment in anything they were doing or saying mm-hmm. to each other. So in a way it was practice for Lex <laughs> in terms of manipulating people but it was not helpful for Lena in terms of having like genuine arguments and then genuine resolutions or social learning of any kind. Yeah. And then also the fact that like later on maybe when they were having moral disagreements which is likely since Lillian talked about how Lena would lecture Lex and Lex characterized Lena as defiant that they weren't ever positively resolved because Lex is still the same person. He's a sociopath. Mm. You can't really argue with that. Well, yeah. And that and also Lex has never really perceived Lena as an equal, whereas Alex and Kara very much do. Yes. Both in terms of age and then also in terms of Lex as a person and how he regards everyone. He's the smartest person in the room. (laughs) (laughs) And then this relationship, the sibling relationship in combination with Lena's relationship with Lillian results in Lena basically just not knowing how to resolve conflicts in other relationships. It's like evidenced by her interactions with Supergirl over time and when Supergirl did something that Lena thought was wrong, she said, that's something my mother would do. She crossed a line. I can never trust her again. Which is actually a little bit funny because in the Midvale flashback, which we just talked about a couple episodes ago, <laughs> Alex says something kind of similar to Eliza about how she'll never get over hmm. the fact that they adopted Kara and she was just fine. Yeah. Like two weeks later. So what what Alex learned was that things you think you'll never get over, it is possible to, in fact, get over. Whereas Lena is trying to hack at a giant wall of ice and like nothing ever falls away. (laughs) Yeah. Like Lena has this very black and white understanding of disagreements, which is that if you disagree about something, you are going to disagree forever. And the other person essentially like doesn't like you anymore and thinks you're bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the end. Whereas the Danvers siblings definitely understand that like no matter how angry you are at the end of the day you're still a family (laughs) and you will still come together when you need to like thinking back to Alex snapping some really kind of unfortunate things at Kara in season two about feeling like she wasn't connecting to her on a family level in the right way or that her priorities were misplaced but Kara understanding that that wasn't like Alex saying she wanted her to like quit being her sister Mm -hmm. like yeah they've had multiple intense arguments throughout the series that we've seen sometimes because of like essentially magic (laughs) and sometimes 
just having to do with their history, but they always kind of go back to that base bond that they have. Communication is important. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing Lena still needs to work on, mm-hmm. which is why the fact that we're going to be talking about communication technology in season five <laughs> should be interesting. Yeah. But also kind of related to Lena and her perceptions of how relationships should work, because this is what she was taught by mm. Lex and also indirectly from her parents. She thinks that being kind of ruthless is how you show someone that you love them rather than just as we talked about before being encouraging and supporting someone else's own decisions through an emotional crisis or like a difficult time Mm -hmm. specifically you see it in this season with james which is the relationship where we've really seen lena be the most emotionally vulnerable thus far in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. that and her friendship with Kara as well well yeah but like Kara doesn't lean on her back in the same way whereas james kind of trusts her to like you know be supportive and respect his boundaries as you would and then he finds out lena went behind his back to fix his situation with the da over his being guardian and that was actually i mean a it was about getting some leverage to play lillian (laughs) but b it was also about lena wanting to alleviate that stress because it was bothering her Mm -hmm. more than it was actually about helping james because james was willing to let the system play out and respect you know whatever decision was made it's funny because you could make a comparison in terms of like when you cross a line with somebody and make choices for them (laughs) with a car in season one with Kat. Mm. However, it's interesting because with Kara, she wasn't as aware as maybe she should have been of like future stress for her that would occur after she meddled in this way. Yeah, Kara was acting in the situation where she wrote the letter from Kat to her son. She was acting on the fact that she had seen that Kat desperately wanted to reach out and was struggling to figure out how Mm -hmm. and was like, I'll just help a little. This was kind of the opposite of that where James was like, yeah, no, I'm okay. And Lena was like, well, actually, you're not so I'm just gonna do this (laughs) and then not tell you about it yes and then later you know you mentioned like they have the disagreement about what Lena's doing by collaborating with the DEO on her super soldier serum is ethical and she decides she's gonna just break up with him as they're on Mm -hmm. their way to the airport to go to France um, (laughs) as you do but it's also partly we had gotten some hints in the episodes leading up to that that Lena was afraid that something bad would happen if she didn't start moving faster with her science Mm -hmm. and so there's also a little bit of that like she decides that she's going to break up with James because she said to him earlier in the season that she will do anything to you know protect him or take care of the people that she loves because that's what Lex did for her (laughs) I guess (laughs) At least she thought that's what he was doing. Which, you know, it's interesting because if she's modeling that behavior where from her point of view, it was to help her. But in reality, Mm -hmm. it was Lex doing what made him feel better or for his goals. And then if we have Lena modeling that behavior, we have her probably doing what she thinks is her doing what's best for James when it's in reality more about her own stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it makes sense that she would think that that's how you have to behave because when we see that flashback in season four of her running after she's stolen her dad's like fancy pen. Lex is there waiting to help her get away. Mm -hmm. They have their own like secret treehouse cool hiding space and then he makes all these promises about how he will protect her and he's the one who 
you know, can help shield her from all her problems and things like that. And that's kind of how she tackles relationships with other people. <laughs> it sure is. And only now is maybe realizing that the Lex strategy is perhaps not the right strategy. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this sort of takes us to, you know, if we talk about Lena stepping in to James's life to like fix things because she's stressed out or when she rushed forward with the experimental trials of the Harnell serum because she felt stress. The concept of like externalizing problems and how that relates to sibling relationships. Mm. I have a quote that says, a positive sibling relationship has been associated with healthy emotion regulation, which is a term that we use a lot um, yeah. in some previous episodes in relation to Lena and continuing and pro-social behavior and may therefore act as a protective factor for developing externalizing problems. So having a positive relationship with your sibling provides an opportunity for all sorts of nice things like being able to regulate your emotions, behaving in a way that benefits society, and then not sort of externalizing your own internal issues. Yep. And with Lena and Lex, who obviously didn't really have a positive sibling relationship, we see that Lena has poor emotion regulation. She talks about having the emotional range of Medea. <laughs> and then obviously we had the season four motif of little boxes, which came from her. And that she also has difficulty with pro-social behavior, despite having very pro-social goals. And so we talked about if she's modeling behavior that she learned from Lex, that definitely wouldn't have a positive effect on doing actually pro-social things. No, which is interesting then to think back. Back to how in season two, she said she was trying to like be like Supergirl in her own way, but by not necessarily demonstrating particularly pro-social behaviors, like she built a statue, mm -hmm. which like that's cool, but doesn't help anyone. She also bought Kako, yeah. which as we see in like coming episodes after that, isn't necessarily a good thing for L Corp to acquire. There's just some tricky conflicts of interest. Yeah. Well, and even in season four, you started running into that because of the investigation into Lena's experiments. Yeah. And then also speaking of Lena's experiments in season four, She's very adamant, especially when we see her included in Kara's family Thanksgiving, about how she's going to choose who gets the superpowers and she's going to choose people who deserve them. Mm -hmm. And then Lex is like, you have superpower juice? <laughs> Mine now? Thanks. <laughs> um, in classic Big Brother fashion. Mm -hmm. It's so a very direct impact on Lena's pro-social goals from her sibling in that case. And then we see with Lena, she has some issues with externalizing her own personal feelings. Feelings and like the examples I mentioned of her rushing through the experimental trials and drinking as well mm. to cope. And then in season five, we'll see that she attempts to sort of just fix the world's problems and funnels everything into that. And we've seen how that can turn into an issue in the past in season four with her trying to fix alien-human relations. And she's doing that as opposed to trying to focus on her friendship with Kara and tackling that and the heavy feelings involved in that issue. Well, and it also connects back to kind of what we said earlier about Lena having received these messages about needing to be successful for like the external validation of it mm -hmm. as a way of judging whether or not she's like being a good person or, you know, working hard enough that people will love her. Mm -hmm. She definitely learned from her family the concept of like other people get to decide whether or not you are a good person and like the things you do equate being a good person. And then we also see her sort of lash out when she fears that an external factor is influencing whether or not she is a good person because that's what she very deeply fears. Although it is interesting because maybe Lena was better off not being genuinely close to Lex, uh, specifically him, mm. because 
his like researchers that close relationships with siblings who have a high level of aggression or like quote unquote delinquency increases risk factor for externalizing problems as opposed to like close relationships with siblings who do not have those same issues. Presumably because if you're close to somebody who has high levels of aggression, maybe you value that more and, and begin to model it because you think it's a good thing. Well, and then in particular in that relationship with Lex and Lena, with the age difference and the kind of power dynamic connected to that, it's extra good that they weren't necessarily closer emotionally mm-hmm. because she would have picked up a lot more kind of problematic attitudes and behaviors at a young enough age that I don't know that she would have even recognized that they were all there Mm -hmm. to undo them or even begin to know where to look to undo them. Yeah. I mean, like we have addressed how she does have emotional issues because of her relationship with Lex. Yeah. But she at least has the opportunity in the future to recognize that maybe she's being like Lex. Mm -hmm. And if that comparison is made and she believes it, then she is likely to try to change that behavior as opposed to if she wanted to be like Lex, that would be a lot harder. It's true. Well, and the other kind of interesting thing that we came across in terms of research was this thing called the social contagion hypothesis, Mm -hmm. which basically says that siblings can negatively affect each other's risk for socially damaging behaviors. So like things like substance abuse, which Lex specifically brought up Mm. to kind of like needle at Lena about the fact that their father was an alcoholic via the emotional relationships that they forge with each other. But the research really stressed that this has nothing to do with just being physically near each other or spending time together. Like there has to be an emotional bond there. Mm -hmm. And this is why Lena's attempts to reach Lex have never really worked because he had no emotional attachment to her. But the reverse is not true. Yes. She, especially as a younger kid, very much did have a strong emotional connection to him. And so it'll be interesting to see her in the beginning of season five trying to untangle who she's really mad at and why. Mm, Yes. And speaking of who she may or may not be mad at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have Kara and Alex and, and their relationship and how that influences them in terms of interpersonal emotional skills. We see that they very frequently help each other process events emotionally, which we've come to know as the couch scenes, essentially, because they often serve the role of like decompression and reflecting back upon what has happened in the episode or what is happening. And they have a conversation and process it with each other. Yeah. Well, and they also help each other with emotion regulation. And we saw that a lot, especially in season one with Kara, like even in the very early episode where she sees the hologram of Allura and she's upset Mm. or with like the red tornado where she loses her temper, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then interestingly, part of their journey has been like making emotional space for Alex in order to do that sort of thing. Well, more than she was doing. Yeah, because in season two, when Alex came out, Kara sort of reflected upon the years and how Kara had so many emotions to regulate and a lot of things to process on her end that there wasn't maybe enough space for Alex to take advantage of that connection in order to process things. Well, and also that maybe Kara at that point in her life was just so overwhelmed in terms of grief that she didn't realize that she needed to make that space mm-hmm. and ask questions and be like, hey, are you okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then on Alex's end, you know, it's been a struggle for her to like make the choice to actively use space <laughs> that is there. And sometimes Cara plays the role of like barging into her home and <laughs> 
in order to talk about things. Yeah. And then that actually to go back to the social contagion hypothesis and look at how it affects the Danvers sisters, you actually see as the series progresses and Alex and Kara's emotional bond gets a lot stronger that Alex's use of solitary and or unhealthy coping mechanisms declines Mm -hmm. quite steeply from season one into the end of season three going into season four. And it's much like what Kara says to Elseworlds Alex, that the Alex Danvers we know is for the most part a pretty good place at the moment. I know sad things happen every year, but it's usually okay in the end. (laughs) Yeah, but like that she she definitely has made a lot of progress on finding a support network and recognizing her emotional strengths as a person and coming into her own a little bit more Mm. on a personal emotional level. And a lot of that is due to the way she and Kara kind of heal these longstanding roadblocks in their relationship as sisters Mm -hmm. back in season one. And then it has the ripple effect of cleaning up Alex's relationships with her parent figures. And then she makes more friends because Kara keeps bringing her friends. Yeah. (laughs) And look where she is now. Yeah. So Uh, siblings could have quite the impact on your life trajectory. Indeed. We've talked a lot about how sibling interaction in formative years can shape you. And we've talked about how in previous seasons, we've seen the characters' arcs be heavily influenced by their siblings. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see in the future what role siblings will play, because we have quite a few sets going into season five. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we'll get some more insight, particularly into James and Kelly, partially because Kelly is a new character and she will definitely be spending more time with the super friends going forward, Mm -hmm. but also because we know James will be leaving us sometime early in season five. So So one would think he'll go out with a bang of sorts (laughs) in terms of character content. So maybe there will be some cool character development with these siblings. Yes, that will be fun. I also hope we get to see more of Nia dealing with her emotions about her family because that fell to the wayside a little Mm -hmm. bit just with all the other plot elements that were happening last season. It was present in how she was dealing with becoming a hero Mm. but there was no like formal conclusion on the family front yeah i was genuinely surprised that when they had the uh speech on tv that we didn't even see like a clip Mm. of her sister reacting to it yeah that would have held us over at least yes so i hope we do get some resolution on that one way or another Mm -hmm. either in terms of finding out that they are done talking to each other forever (laughs) or the opposite yes given the show and, and the kind of relationship that they seem to have you know before the rift, I would assume that they would make up even if we never see the sister again. (laughs) I would hope so. And speaking of sisters and making up and carrying on through all kinds of difficulty... I am looking forward, as we always are, at Supergirl's Attic, and I think most people who watch the show, Mm -hmm. to more Danvers sisters' time, because it's what they deserve. (laughs) Correct. Look, Kara's, like, literally died now, (laughs) twice. They need some bonding time. But sisterhood brought her back, and that is the thesis of this episode. (laughs) Sisterhood is the most powerful force on Earth. The end. We have stats to back us up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And uh, Jean has a brother now. Yeah. So that'll be another sibling pair we can revisit. That was one of the big sibling twists at the end of season four. He popped up and then Lex was not dead. <laughs> yeah. Related to siblings and uh, their effect on your emotions and ability to like cope and behave. Uh, we found out that Lex is also like Kara, then brought back from the dead, although this time by outside forces. <laughs> 
And so we will see him again for the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. And we don't know yet how Lena may be impacted Mm. by this or what kind of role she will play, potentially. It also may hinge upon her relationship with Kara Mm. and um, where that stands, how much sway Lex might have over her as... Car is a huge encouraging force in Lena's life. True. So yeah, there's lots more sibling goodness to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And I am really quite happy that they decided in season four that that was the way forward in terms of relationship dynamics yeah. that they wanted to explore. Season three was the mom season and season four is siblings or the parent season, I should say, in season three because of yeah. Marin and Rin. Alora. And Jean. And Jean. And Eliza and Lillian. And Wynn's mom. Yeah. And Sam. And Sam's mom. <laughs> and Sam's mom too. Yeah. Anyway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so that concludes our episode of Crisis on Infinite Siblings. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be back in two weeks with another episode. And there's only two more hiatus episodes left before the season premiere of season five. Yeah. So start getting excited, guys. Mm-hmm. You can, of course, contact us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirl's Attic to theorize or to comment upon our hiatus topics. And thanks for listening.